Our second reading for today comes to us from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these things since my youth. Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said, You lack one thing. Sell what you own and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked, and he went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to the disciples, How hard will it be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them, Children, how hard is it enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded to one another and said, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible. But not for God. For God, all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, Look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left home, or brothers, or sisters, or mother, or father, or children, or fields, for my sake and for the sake of the good news, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age. Houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children, and fields with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. This ends the reading of God's holy word. May God add many blessings to the hearing of it. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we have come into your house and gathered in your name to worship you. Enable us to hear your call in our lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts here together be found pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Our Lord, our rock, our redeemer. Amen. Friends, today begins the first Sunday of Lent. And for the next six weeks as we journey through Lent, we are going to take part in a sermon series. Lent is a time of reflection, of preparation, of building ourselves up to follow Christ to the events of Holy Week, to the crucifixion, to the resurrection. Lent begins on Ash Wednesday, which was this past week, in which we admit that we are broken, 
and we're immortal. Scripture tells us that we were created in the image of God. But sin entered that world, into our world, and that image has become distorted, has become shattered. So we're going to seek how we can be restored more closely to the image that God created in us in. We're going to see how following Christ should change us as people. I was meeting with some people recently where we're talking about following Christ and how in some faith traditions they talk about the day you were saved. The day you decided to follow Christ is the day that you were saved. And I've never really agreed with that terminology because I feel like that's putting the onus on us when really we're just accepting God's salvation. When Heather and I were first married, we uh, was at work with a couple that kept inviting us to church with them. Come to our church. Come to our church. Well, I, I have a church. Well, come to our church. Our church is better. And finally, I just gave up and said, all right, we'll, we'll go on a Wednesday night. And so Heather and I met them for uh, dinner before church. And the first things they said to Heather is, so when were you saved? Very first conversation. And if I had been more theologically informed, I would have looked at them and said, oh, about 33 A.D. <laughs> but they meant, when was the time when you accepted Christ? And as Presbyterians and as UCC, we don't use that terminology, but we speak in much the same way. We talk about the time when we decided to follow Christ. And as I was talking to this group, I said, you should be able to look at your life before you started following Christ and look at your life afterwards, and you should be able to see a difference. And for the next six weeks, we're going to talk about some of those differences. And today, we're going to talk about how in Christ, we should move from receiving to giving. Yesterday, Heather and I wanted to get out of the house. We wanted to go outside, do something where we could just walk around, but it was just a little chilly outside. So we decided to go explore a mall we'd never been to. So we went down to Tyson's Corner. It was a bit of a drive, but we figured it's a bigger mall, plenty of time to walk and to watch people. And we took Hannah, and Hannah was pretty well behaved for the most part. But we had one near disaster. For Christmas, Hannah got a Mickey Mouse that was stuffed about this big. It's back there with her because Mickey goes almost everywhere with her. She sleeps with him or on him. She carries him everywhere. When Mickey Mouse comes on, she goes, I get him, and goes and gets him. She would take him to daycare if we would let her. But Mickey did not go to Tyson's Corner with us. So we were walking around, and we go into the Disney store. And we walk past the wall of stuffed Mickeys, which as quick as a ninja, a little hand shoots out and there's a Mickey in the stroller with her. And we thought, there's no way we're going to extricate ourselves with this. And I resigned myself that I'm going to buy this second Mickey. After all, what's one more stuffed animal? What's one more toy for her? It's worth the peace and quiet. We escaped, luckily, without purchasing the Mickey, but I was ready and willing to. And in a way, I feel like that speaks to our society. In our society, you can never have enough. You can never have too much. We want to buy more and more. 
Recently, we started having some few small problems with our van, which we've had for about three years. It's still a pretty new van. It's only got 40,000 miles on it. My immediate thought, let's trade it in and get a bigger, better van. That's more sensible than getting it fixed. Because that's how our society thinks. Last week was the Super Bowl, and people paid millions of dollars to advertise to us, to give us stuff that we want to buy. We are a society that likes to receive, that likes to get, that likes to have. Today's scripture reading, a young man comes up to Jesus. And he says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And this is a good man. He follows the commandments. He wants to follow Jesus. He sees that Jesus speaks the truth. It seems he does everything right. And Jesus says, you lack one thing. Take everything you have and sell it. Give that money to the poor. Then you could come follow me. And scripture tells us that that young man went away sad because he had many things. He had many possessions and he didn't want to sell them. He did not want to get rid of them. He loved his stuff. And I've tried to justify this verse. This verse haunts me. I'm worried that one day Heather's going to come home and there's going to be people going through our house saying, I'll give you $10 for this because I'll be like, I'm going to sell everything. And I've tried to justify it. Oh, well, well, in Jesus' day, they didn't have 401ks. They didn't have pensions. It's okay for us to hold on to that stuff. They didn't have flat screen TVs. How are they going to watch Survivor? But there's no way to justify it. Jesus wanted him to give up his stuff because his stuff possessed him. The fact that he was unwilling to let it go tells us that it had him just as much as he had it. At the end of the verse, Peter, being impetuous as Peter so often does, runs up to Jesus and says, Jesus, Jesus, we gave up everything to follow you. And there you have it. We move from getting and having to giving. The rich man had it all. He had all sorts of possessions and he would not give them up. But the disciples were willing to give it all away to follow Jesus. But the truth is, it's not that easy. That's not how we get from how we should receive or how we want to receive to how we should give. It's kind of like a sandwich. All the good stuff is in the middle. If you look at the verses we skipped over, starting at 23, then Jesus looked around to his, and said to his disciples, how hard will it be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were perplexed at those words. But Jesus said to them, children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now that verse and that imagery, the camel going through the eye of the needle, you cannot believe the verbal acrobatics that have been done throughout history to try to justify Jesus' words. 
Oh, well, he was using satire. Oh, the eye of the needle was actually a very short gate in Jerusalem where the camel would have to kneel to go through so we could get into heaven if we're rich, if we kneel and pray. We try to justify this in so many ways. But instead, we should just keep reading. They, the disciples, were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals, it is impossible. But not for God. For God, all things are possible. For mortals, for you and I, it is impossible to be saved. It is impossible to inherit the kingdom of heaven. It is impossible to receive eternal life. There is nothing we can do. If we sell everything we have and give money to the poor, if we follow Christ, if we are faithful as best we can, it isn't good enough. We will not receive the kingdom of heaven. We will not inherit eternal life. It is impossible for mortals. But not for God. And that's where it gets important. Not for God. For God, all things are possible. So we receive immortal life. We inherit the kingdom of heaven. We are promised a place in the church triumphant, not because of anything we do, but because of God. Because of God's love as shown in Christ. And it's something that Christ gives to us freely. That Christ gives to us out of grace and love. And when we receive that, we can't help but want to share with others. We can't help but want to be generous, to give of what we have to help those less fortunate than us because God and Christ just helped us. So in following Christ, that is where we move from receiving to giving. Not because of anything we've seen, not because of an example we followed, not because it's going to earn us our way into heaven, but because of what's been done for us. It seems that there are some conflicting theologies in America today. And one of them is that we do good and we follow Christ and we accept Christ because we want to earn our way into heaven. And they never specifically say that, but they sure preach it and they sure act it. But a theology of grace, a theology that the Presbyterian Church and the UCC and my, I myself adopt, says that we don't do good things, we don't do what Christ tells us, we don't love others and give to those less fortunate and remember that the first are last and the last are first to get anything. But we do it because of what we have been given. And it seems like a small difference, but it's very significant. We love our brothers and sisters in Christ in response to Christ's love for us. And Christ's love is freely given. And so in following Christ, we freely give of ourselves. 
For mortals, it's impossible. But not for God. For God, all things are possible. As I was preparing for the sermon, I kept thinking of Charles Dickinson's classic, A Christmas Carol. Because how can you think from receiving to giving and not think of Ebenezer Scrooge? Ebenezer Scrooge, who was the, the, the businessman who was pinching pennies, who made uh, his employees work long hours, even on Christmas Eve, who wouldn't give them anything. Who goes home and is visited by three ghosts and has a complete change of heart. And his bah humbug turns to Merry Christmas. And he goes to Marley's home and he gives him gifts and showers his children with gifts and brings a cooked turkey and has a complete change of heart. He goes from receiving, from wanting to hold on to everything he has, to wanting to accumulate more, to a heart of generosity, to a heart of giving, a heart of sharing. And as we seek to follow Christ, the Holy Spirit descends upon us. In the old church, they called the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost until it was decided that that was too scary. And it's reminiscent of the ghost that uh, visit Scrooge. And we too should have a change of heart. And we should move from receiving to giving For the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. And for mortals it's impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. Amen.